Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. This week, Shabbos, Pashas, Vayigash. Shir, Lilo Nishmas. Have a house of Sholem and Yeshua. Gabriel, the Melech of Sholem, Yibad Lachaim, Yom Yayetz. As we're still in the Shleishim of Chaim Meir Alti Zachadev Alevi. Love Shalom. Pash Vayigash tells us how the brothers once again need to come down to Mitzrayim and therefore they forced to bring Binyamin much to the chagrin of Yaakov. Nonetheless, they bring Binyamin and Yosef sees and realizes and implements whatever action had to be done so that the brothers are not punished per se, but the Binyamin gets taken away from them, and this now puts them into a trauma. Obviously, the brothers at all tried to vouch for Binyamin. We see a difference, though, between Ruvain vouching and Yehuda vouching, as we spoke last week. Ruvain vouched for Binyamin with a very, very, what his father called foolish tipshus, saying that two of his sons should be killed if he doesn't bring back Binyamin. To which the grandfather, his father said, Are you off your mind? Yosef, I lose. Rachel, I lose. Binyamin, Chashalom, I lose. And I lose two grandchildren as well. But it's you have Tate. Insane deal are you offering me. Yehuda turns around and says, I offer my Elam Haba, my Elam Haza. This world and the world to come. Huh? And Yaakov doesn't jump for it, but he accepts. What was the difference? First of all, as we learn later, it's still earlier before Vayigash, still in the case, we learn that Reuven, in essence, had four children, not two. So offering two of the four was not even a full-hearted offer. He was not doing it full-heartedly. If he's not offering full-heartedly, he's obviously not going to do it full-heartedly. Whereas Yehud offering his world and his world to come, the world to come is obviously a full-hearted offer, which therefore Yaakov understood if his offer was full-hearted, he would do the work full-heartedly as well. I'd also like to mention today by the Shir, uh, this Friday, which is Asada Batavis. Every time, well, it used to be. Unfortunately, even that's stopped, petered out. But about 10 years ago, it started um, the rash of phone calls. All rabbis used to get before a fast day. Rabbi, do I have to fast? So the rabbi says, let me look in the Shulchan Aruch. And the Shulchan Aruch says, yeah, we fast. I said, yeah, but, extenuating circumstances, what is it? I like to eat. I like to drink. I get headaches. Um, taking medication. 
my acid reflux get act, act up. You have Baruch Hashem a slew, a slew of excuses, stories, which unfortunately. At the time, showed a weakness, chas v'shalom, a little bit of a flaw, chas v'shalom even, in the approach to Torah mitzvahs. Whereas generation before, not even thought of asking, very fast, and not fast, a kippetan, a woman that she gave birth within three days, knew she couldn't fast. She wasn't allowed to fast. She wasn't happy about it, but Torah is but to look for something under a rock to not have to fast unheard of unfortunately generations got weaker and they started to ask questions I'll give you a share, forget it I, I took care of it Start asking questions. And it gets harder all of a sudden to fast. Their metabolisms have changed. Diets have changed. You have the... the <laughs> I can't mention it, in case somebody's listening, intermittent diets of intermittent fasting. The insanity of fasting between meals. And people think they're healthier or happier. I'm not going to go into that. Every nutritionist you go to tells you you have to eat hearty meals a day. These meals, be careful what you're eating. In between meals, eat X, Y, and Z. And the people that went to nutritionists or are going to nutritionists, I'm not advertising or propagating nutritionists, but what I've seen is they push it very happily manage to lose substantial weight. Unfortunately, it's supposed to become a way of life. It's supposed to become a way of eating. And we're supposed to get used to it and everything. We have still the Shabbos Kiddush, and we still have the this and the ends and the, the Hanukkah and the Purim. And the, it's just very difficult. And you end, on, end up making a curve here and a curve there. And you'll see people that have lost a lot, a lot, a lot of weight, and they'll start gaining back a little bit here and there because of maybe they're overconfident, whatever it might be. Vinish V, people are so careful what they eat, and they drink, and they'll eat a little bit of salad a day, and they'll drink a little bit of water, and the extra water, and they'll drink a gallon of water, and whatever. Come to a fast day? <laughs> I have to fast today? Rabbi! Unfortunately, skipping fast forward, they stop calling. And you'll hear from people who will tell you straight out, eh, Tishabov and your Kippur, maybe Tishabov. The rest of the fast, please. I will tell you though, my friends, if Tishbev, and when Tishbev, not if, when Tishbev comes out on Shabbos, we do not fast. We fast on Sunday. We don't even fast on Friday. Why don't we fast on Friday? Because we'll end up fasting Friday night. So you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to fast on Shabbos. Yom Kippur comes out on Shabbos, you fast. But Tishbev, you don't. If Asada B'Tavis was able to come out on Shabbos, you would have to fast. And the proof is, and it comes out on Friday, as it does this week, we fast. And we fast into Shabbos. If you daven might have earlier, you benched licht earlier before, it's gonishvet. That does not help you. You cannot make Kiddush before Tzitzit Before Nacht. So davening Meir earlier and making, benching uh, licht, whatever it is you want to do, that does not end the fast. The fast ends by Nacht, which is Shabbos. 
there used to be an amazing thing on if you were in yeshiva because used to go little shishi you sat up all night Friday you went on Mifzayim then we had Seder till 8 o'clock and then we'd have a mitiv we'd have a mitiv a quarter to 8 7.30 8 o'clock you went to make Yiddish you were too tired to chew the only solution was to fall asleep by Seder and then you sat down, you still were just groggy, and it was just, you just didn't really enjoy it. Sarabatevis, you couldn't do that. Taka stayed up, Leil Shishi. And you taka went to Mifzayim. But as soon as you got back to Yeshiva, Shabbos, as soon as Shabbos was able to come in, Kabbalah Shabbos started. And as soon as Nacht, we said Maidiv. And right after Maidiv, we went to eat. We went to eat. It's uh, winter. It's five fifteen. Fast over five ten. By five twenty, guys are making kiddush. By six thirty, a quarter to seven, guys were finished eating. Guys went to retire. And at seven o'clock, seven fifteen, Shah still the yeshiva was quiet. The whole dormitory was quiet. It's amazing. And the guys slept till the next morning, no problem. You had, I'm sure, I won't say I was one of them, the Masmidim that said, okay, after eating, I'm fine now, I'm okay now. And they would sit down and maybe learn something then. But I hear from them how the yeshiva was very quiet and peaceful. And everything was all amazing. And this Shabbos will be the same. Kabbalah Shabbos will be davened at the earliest possible time. Depending where you daven, how much they'll sing Lechadeli. And they get home, make Kiddush, and for the most part, everybody will be finished eating by 7 o'clock the latest. The most machine, sit around, have a little bit of a kumzitz, and then you're in bed by 8. Chaya. But you fast on Shabbos. Only Asara Betavis and Yom Kippur. So before you take your keys into your own hand, before you take the law into your own hand, before you make your own decision to say, Eh, I only fast this above Yom Kippur. Think a few times over, not twice, a few times over about Asara Betavis whether or not it's so simple that you can just poo-poo and not eat. The question becomes, but Rabbi, I have to cook. I have to cook. And I always taste in the food. And you'll find the Rabbi that will tell you, I don't know which ones, but I'm sure you'll find a Rabbi that will tell you that if you're just tasting the food to see if it's salt enough, pepper enough, or sugar enough, it's not called breaking your fast. But don't take, if you hear this voice, don't take it lightly. If you don't have extenuating circumstances, you should fast. And if you do have, you should ask a love. You should not take for granted that I don't fast any fast and Asada Batavis is bundled in there. Because it's not. Asada Batavis was a very severe time where they broke through the walls, they sieged the city. There are Chsidim that fast Ches, Tes, and Yud, the 8th, the ninth, and the 10th day of Tevis because each of these three days was another step towards the destruction of read up on it on Asara Tevis see what it was see what happened see how severe probably more severe than Tishbav 
And perhaps you will understand differently and accept differently your opinion and the verdict as far as fasting. For some reason, the video just acted up. I need to shut it down and reboot. Parshas Vayigash. As we said before, As I said before, Parshva Yigash is the time, is telling us about how the brothers come together and Yezef reveals to his brothers the secret that he's been holding back from them all this time, Ani Yezef. Oh, Yishkayach. Oh, thank you. Ani Yosef, Ha'ed Avichai. I am Yosef, is my father still alive? You all know, amongst the many um, I don't want to call them sins, Chas Shalom or Vedas miscues is probably the best way to put it Uh, this is the Shir part 2 I'm recording now on the video the second part of the Shir one of the miscues of Yosef was which he was punished for severely he listened to his brothers talking about his father through his translator officially although he understood every word they said, and they constantly referred to his father as your servant, Avdecha Ovi. And the fact that he sat there and listened to his father being called his servant, he was punished very, very severely for. Which gives us a glimpse into the concept of Kibedavim, their Heretz, of respect for a mother and a father. What extent must a child go to respect a mother and a father? The Gemara tells us of many different cases, many different stories of parents that literally humiliated their sons, their daughters, whatever it was, their children, and the children, Tanoyim, remained silent. There are times where we are unfortunately forced into predicaments where we need to exercise the mitzvah of Kibbutz Aim with an extra step, with going an extra mile. To help a parent, Rahman al son gets older, and to help them, to aid them, take the up steps, down steps, carry them up and down steps. The parent doesn't want it. The parent appreciates what you're doing, but the parent does not want to be in that predicament and doesn't want the child to have to do what they're doing. 
So to give you an example of the Kibbutz Avayim, Allah is that if a child is carrying their parent up the steps and they kvetch or they krechts, which is natural, sometimes the parent could be heavy for them or whatever, they're tired, or it's whatever it happened, you're borderline in the situation of honoring your parents. Because you're making it, as is they know it's hard for you, and as is it's hard for them. And then hearing something of implication that you're uncomfortable with what you're doing, is already, although they don't say anything, although they don't react to it, and they don't tell you anything about it later, or anything of the sort, you need to focus on how you do it. This is after Mayavestram as well, after 120 years, also how you honor your parents. Kibidavim probably ranks up there with Lashon Hara, and being probably the hardest of mitzvahs to keep. The word S comes to include an older brother. But then we also learn that for an elder we need to stand up. We need to have honor and respect our elders. Which ultimately talks refers to as well as that our teachers, our rabbanim, our sages. Again, in any which way, form, or fashion, does a person slightly not stand up for a love that walks into a room? In the olden days, you'd be slapped across the face if you talked to a love, you, in a single person and not in a third person. Not by the love, obviously. You refer to a love in a third person. You talk to a person, you talk to a love. What does the love say? What does the love think? Not for his ego. To honor what he stands for. We know this week's Pasha, excuse me, before that, there was a Yid That's to make chasana. He had to make chasana his daughter, and he needed twenty-six thousand dollars to make the chasana. He needed twenty-six thousand dollars to make the chasana, but he didn't have any of it, and he was working in a yeshiva. Maybe the stories with the Javila. Stories with the Javila. And he was working, he was teaching in the Yeshiva. Yet, Matchev Javil. So, he came up with an idea, he's working with a Maisid. He went to the director of the Maisid. And he said, Listen, Zai is a good. Give me names and addresses of people that donors of the yeshiva so I may mail them a letter asking them to help me for the chasana this put the director between a rock and a hard place thought to himself immediately if I do that and the person gives him they're going to give me less later which just for the record is insanity Nobody gets less than they're supposed to get, ever. But that was what they thought. But for the guy's asking, you can't tell him no to and not give him anything. So he went to what they call in America the dead letter file of the addresses, names of addresses of people that has been donors. And he gave that to him. Came home, 
Malt Kuzmil came home, he was very happy, okay? Told his wife, let's start writing. She says, honestly speaking, are you so naive? Do you think he's going to give him, give you the people that have money, that rich money, people? He gave you money that ran out, he gave you people that ran out of money a long time ago, probably. If that's the case, this is a bimfart, you have to do your shtadlus, you have to do your thing. She says, if you have to do your shtadlus, you don't need more than one paper, one envelope, and one stamp. If you want to be nice, two envelopes and two stamps, so they can send you back. But that's it. No. Call Hashem Esara Shemas Bikelo. Whatever the wife says, you listen, of course. She was obviously a bright woman. And that's what he did. Um, yep took one name sent it off saying they need $26,000 and lo and behold a week later check comes $26,000 the whole point. Psh. Well, went straight back to the, the, the director. Shaking his hand in both his hands. I sent out and I got my money for the Hasana. He says, how many people did you send to? He says, one. So how did you get the money for the Hasana? He sent me the whole check. What are you talking about? Who was it? Because he knew these were all dead letter files. Told him who it was. So immediately the director puts on his tie. And he straightens his jacket. Puts on a good hat. And he calls the guy. And he calls him up. Eh, how are you? I'm wearing my tie, my best tie now when I'm talking to you. Because I'm talking to a person with respect. So how are you, Rabbi Director? You know, the Moses still needs a lot of money. And he says to him, he says, I'm sorry, I wish I could help. But I understand you came, you were back on your feet again, and uh, you even helped now. One of our them with a, with a hefty check for the Hasana. Uh, what should I tell you, Rabbi Director? I'll tell you the truth. So his daughter, this guy is talking about his own daughter, became a kala. During the engagement, they found out the daughter had a, an interesting, I don't know what kind of illness, some kind of illness. And they were worried that if they told the chassan and the family about this illness, they would break off the shidduch chassan. So they went to the Helikin and Amesha Feinstein al-Vashalom, Zeichat Sadiq Libracha. And they asked the Meisha what to do. Do they have to tell? They don't have to tell. And the Meisha listened and discovered and heard and, and inquired about the illness. Said, no, no, you don't have to tell. However, if the Kala has any money of her own, perhaps she should give it to Kala. To a different poor bride, you're paying for her wedding. She doesn't have that daiga. Sure, she has money. In case she has money put away, saved up. She should give that money to Kala. Some of it, at least. The Kala was so relieved and so happy that Hashem Hashidah shouldn't be broken. She found, she went to her account, she emptied her entire account, $26,000. And upon the request of these people, which came the same day, and sent the entire money. So, yeah, the money came from us, but not from us. Kala had that money, and Baruch Hashem, she sent it as a class Kala. It's a
Mishabagraifan to figure how and why Khasvishalom this girl never had this illness and what happened and what it was and how she never tell the Khasan and how she got away not got away with it, Khasan, but saved her marriage, etc. through the Brach of Kala, through the Das Teda of its of a Ugoin. Speak into the ear of my master. Rashi says, what does that mean? Take these words and listen well. The word it says in the Teda, many times before this, Never does Rashi explain what the word Ozne means. All of a sudden now, so much later, Rashi is explaining the words. What is this Osne different? Explain as follows. In the other places, the intention of the word, the Osne, is understood simply. To give over the message, not to one person, to the populace. Avram by Ephraim was Ozli Bneiches, Bneiches, plural. They should all understand the business deal that went down here. And the Amorites had to understand what was going on in the nation. Saying the Avi Melech came and to stress again. The Shliach said to the servants, Talking to, the, to all his servants, they shall all hear him. Here, differently, Yehud is talking to Yosef, and Yosef himself. So Rashi doesn't understand. Why does it have to stress? Why does it have to say into the ears? What is he talking into? His nose? And therefore, Rashi. Explains, Bosne here is not like every other place, but rather it means he Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Hear me out well. These words should be accepted and be listened to by Yosef. He approaches him, therefore, and we've said this many times, but it's important that we hear it over and over. He approaches him, he says, you better listen to what I'm telling you, sir. Medesh tells us he banged his foot and pissed him, and Ramses fell in. The hair in his chest came through his, his, his armor, he was being a tough guy. All of a sudden, we hear a different language. We hear him saying, Hey, I'm really recording. Uh, can I call you back? Everything okay? Okay, I'll call you back. We hear him say, Ah, don't be upset. Uh, you're so beautiful. You look just like Pari with that beautiful beard and that beautiful face. Yehuda was a politician. He was a king. He knew that if you want to get something accomplished first, you start politically correct. 
And then you unload if it doesn't work. Famous story they told that the fellow used to go house to house at night. I need food. If you don't give me food, I'll do what my father did. People would get very intimidated from that. And they would give food. One day somebody really got up their guts because they were so used to hearing this over and over every day and said to them, what did your father do? He says, my father? You don't know what my father did? He said, no, what did your father do exactly? He went to sleep hungry. Nebuch. Telling us that the uh, threat was obviously empty. He went to sleep hungry. But here, he come, he spoke to him harsh words, and then started to try to be nice to him, politically correct. Nobody, that's not the way it works. The Rebbe says, simple thing. Yehuda says, The souls are connected, the father and the son. I don't make any calculations here. What's the proper way, what's the political correct way, or anything else. Nothing up Yisechel. The world has an expression, as Tudvei Shreitman. When you're in pain, you scream. You never saw a person, Chashom, slam the hand in the door, and say, uh, hand, are you okay? Hand, uh, we have all our fingers in there, sir? hand, are we alright? And then eventually say, oh no, it hurts terrible, and start screaming. As soon as the hand slams, the person screams. This is what we need to learn when it comes to education of our children. <coughs> they need to be saved from the spiritual sakana, the spiritual dangers. From the first second, we need to stand on our laurels. Don't stand on our laurels. Stand on our principles. And we need to devote ourselves with Mesiris Nefesh to save the soul of every Jewish child. No cheshbainis, no calculations. Straightforward. We stand up to make sure that the education of the child is proper. No compromises. And therefore we also need to understand from this as well. Sometimes we hurt somebody really badly and we don't realize it at the time. Maybe they don't even scream. So it doesn't necessarily mean as Tutvei, the person that's going through the pain screams. As Tutvei, that if you hurt the person, we scream. We scream, oh, how did I do that? Oh, I'm sorry. How painful that must be to you. How, must pain, how horrible that must be. We see that Yaakov had a, a, an issue here with letting the child Binyamin go. Obviously, he was no longer a child. He was married and had ten children of his own. So far be it from a child. But he was worried. Said the master, child cannot leave the father. If he leaves the father, God forbid the father will die. Rashi tells us, they were worried. Shema Yomus Baderech. Maybe he'll die on the road. His mother died on the road. His brother died on the road, as far as he understood. But we know, back in Mikates, that there was an, exp- an expression 
that one needs to worry when the Sutton decides to get involved in something. Because when he gets involved, basically in a time of danger, it's pretty bad. So when it said it back there in the Pasuk, in Miketz, Pen Yikre'enu Osoin, Rashi explained that in the time of Sakana, the Sultan gets involved. Why does he alter it now and change different? But the reason that Jackie was worried that in the time of, the, of Sakana, the Sultan gets involved, He's Mekatrig. Because at the time he thought Yosef died as well on the road. So in addition to his mother dying on the road, he died. And since Binyamin's family had two people, three people in total, and two of them died already, Yaakov considered the road Shasakana for this family. The Shvatim in turn knew that this is not true. He did not die. So they didn't consider this this Sakana per se. They were worried though that if the mother died on the road, maybe the child would as well. Now, we're not going to get into the mother dying on the road because the fact was that it was a horrible, horrible thing, obviously. Childbirth, etc. We also remember and understand that it was a curse that Yaakov had cursed her. Not unbeknownst to him whom he was cursing. So we see from here as well how one needs to be very, very careful each thing that they say, how they say, to whom they say, what they say. Yaakov is told now Yasef is alive. Yasef sent a message with the Egla and the Agola telling him Egla Rufa was the last din that we learned. The last thing that you and I were studying before I left you 22 years ago was the halachas of Egla Rufa. Of the dead person found on the road and nobody knew who killed him or where he died. And they measure the closest city and they take a calf and they chop its head off. They decapitate the calf. They don't it. And therefore now he sent Agolois, which are the same letters as Egla, some calves, so the Jacob should know that Jacob, the Yasef, not only was alive physically, but was alive spiritually as well. And now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells them, Do not fear going down to Mitzrayim. Yaakov leaves home. And he reaches Be'er Sheva. It is there, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself and tells him, Al Tira Merda Mitzrayim. <coughs> Do not fear going down to Mitzrayim, for I will make you to a great nation there. Question asks, Why did HaKash Baruch wait till he got to Be'er Why didn't he tell him when he was still leaving, when he was leaving home? Once he was on the way, on the way already, Obviously, he's showing that he's on the way. He's going. So he's not frightened. So why could Baruch come now? Therefore, Rashi explains. He had another anxiety here involved. He didn't want to leave to go out of Chutzlaretz. wasn't Yaakov was fearful of going down to Mitzrayim he was pained 
to have to go down to Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, therefore, was trying to alleviate the heartache of going down. Yaakov Avinu did not suspect this actual going down to Egypt. He knew Yosef was there. He knew what position Yosef was holding. He knew they were going to the Chalutin. He knew they were going to education. Therefore, he was not worried that his children would be exposed to the Egyptian culture. And therefore he went out with a full betochen and amunah. But when he gets to Be'er to the border of Eretz Yisrael, the anxiety kicked in, as we say in America. Yaakov was tested already. He left Eretz Yisrael. He was 20 plus years in Choron. But now it bothers him leaving at Israel. And at this time we know Yaakov was with seventy offspring, descendants. The Jewish nation started to form. Avram had hundreds of thousands of followers, none of whom stayed on to the path of Rome. Yitzchak had his own approach. Therefore, only Yaakov and Esav. Whereas Yaakov had, Baruch Hashem, a formidable family. Seventy people. Can you imagine inviting them for lunch? And he knew to raise a proper family, it had to be in a good environment. Which was, at the time, Eretz Yisrael. So now when he felt that he was leaving Eretz Yisrael, now he started to get anxious. And for this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him the guarantee, Al Tira Merda Mitzrayim, do not fear going down to Mitzrayim. For the Gegodol Asim Chashom, I'm going to put you as a great nation there, Kashbarahu promises him in Egypt the Jewish nation will be built and they'll become a great nation. Tafka by going down to Mitzrayim, Am Yisrael will flourish and turn to a great nation. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Yaakov, he adds, Al Titzta'er. He doesn't say the words, I'm sorry, he doesn't say the words, Al Titzta'er, he tells him, Al Tira. He doesn't say, don't get anguished, don't get upset, don't get pained. He tells him, don't fear. Hello. Yeah, Mike, what's up? Yeah, hold on one second, Mike. Hold on, hold on. Leave me to talk to me in the last year. Huh? Mans are why Hey, no, Yaakov. Yaakov, Yaakov, of course, scaffold. A K O. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mike, can you call me in 15 minutes in the middle of the class? Thanks. Four o'clock, great, perfect. Kaj Baruch tells him, do not fear, not do not be do not be anxious. He's taking away not only the going down to Egypt, 
He's not taking away the pain. For the pain of leaving Eretz Yisrael and going down to Golos, no one could take away. Just the opposite. This pain needs to remain. A Jew needs to know his place is in Eretz Yisrael. There is where a Yid belongs and there is where we belong today with Mashiach Tzadkenu. And that thereby one can overcome all the hardships of the exile. This is a lesson for each and every one of us. Throughout the time of the exile of Golos, from one point, one vantage point, we cannot suspect and to fear, be fearful for the Golos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent us to Golos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu came with us to Golos. It's definite, it is for sure, that He will help us out. He will give us the strength to overcome all our hardships, tests and punishments. Dafke through this the hardship of Golos, Amisol arrives and come to the full and greatness. And with this we have to understand it's natural the fact that we are pained here in the Golos. that a Jew should feel comfortable or complacent here in exile. One needs to constantly feel that we're in a situation Kimiskor home the Gemara Brachis Gimel on the bottom of Amar Aleph. The Gemara tells us, Bonim Shegolum al Shulchan Aviyem. We are children that have been exiled from the table of our father. And we need to scream out, Ad Mosai. We need to scream out, because today, Shaitman, when it hurts, one screams. One does not react complacently one does not try to negotiate with the pain that they are being subjected to and dafka this pain of the Golos and dafka this beseechment for the redemption will bring thing, bring it faster bring the coming of Mashiach Tzitkenu and the Geula Hamitiz Vashlema Revizeche Miyad Mamish, mamish, mamish. And we have to say, Amen to that. We see ourselves this Shabbos, not have to fast without asking the Rav. We should not have to fast because we will find ourselves in the Geula Hamitis Vashlemis. Shabbos to all.